What's up, everybody? Quick turnaround on the Sooner Nation podcast. He's Rich. I'm Matt. Sooner Nation, um, man, we got a lot to talk about. Champion Barbecue has come and gone. Um, Rich has got some five. Uh, do you have five, Rich? Five true or false questions, or did you slept this week? I, I do indeed have five. Right, Matt, and- Matt, I don't slept. You just take my... When we were trading topics, I was doing right. the true or false. You were coming up with a, docu- a list of things to discuss. You would take some of the true or false, and now we we flip flop that, so we're both planning true or false and the the segments that we're going to talk about. So we don't have that issue anymore. And right, not that well, anyone cares, but there I, it is. I'll, I'll, we'll, I'll take your word on that. Um, so then also twenty four seven sports. It's, it's like a new week, a new top twenty five that they've got coming out. This time it's their um they're they're kind of prognosticating the top the first AP top 25 poll and we'll tell you where they have Oklahoma there as well as some other Big 12 schools but let's jump into this Champion Barbecue has not yet produced a verbal commitment but the eyeball emojis are floating out or around there so you know there's some verbal commitments coming a, a couple of rich a couple of really 2023 recruits um really kind of stepped up uh, and and went on, t- on social media and really just talked about how much fun they had in Norman. And there are two pretty big guys on the offensive side of the ball. I know everyone wants to focus on 2022. I want to focus on 2022 as well. But the reason I want to mention these two 2023 recruits is because one of them, Brandon Ennis, is the number one receiver in the class for 2023. And basically, he just talked about what a good time he had in Norman and for sure how he plans to come back uh, and visit a campus again, probably in the capacity of an official visit. But the other guy, is, and here's what's important for Oklahoma, Luke Hayes out of um, out of Bixby, Oklahoma, He's he is the number one tight end prospect in the 2023 class, but he's also the number one player from the state of Oklahoma. And Rich, I know this is something that you talk about um, when you go back to last year, and now we got the Gentry Williams saga going on for the 2022 class. It, is it possible that Luke Hayes will be the next number one recruit in the state of Oklahoma that Oklahoma secures for the recruiting class? Not giving up on Gentry Williams just yet, but um, you got any general thoughts from the champion barbecue? Matt, I, I get that this is one of the biggest recruiting weekends for the Oklahoma Sooners. They're obviously attempting to set the tone, but more importantly, they're trying to impress recruits. And it it seems as though things went well when we jump onto social media. I know one of the biggest things that people talked about was the return of Sam Bradford, who had virtually disappeared. Not that he's been absent per se, but you really hadn't heard a lot from him after his NFL career, not having an offensive line in front of him. We saw some of the injuries at college. I felt as though those just continued to plague him throughout his career. And once he stepped aside from football, it was this question of what no one had forgotten about Sam Bradford, but it was what had happened to him. Mm -hmm. He wasn't making any appearances. He didn't seem to have any impact with the university. And I know that there's been a coaching change that Bob Stoops isn't the head coach who was the coach when Sam Bradford was there. And we've got to remember that was 12 years ago as well, that Sam Bradford left the college realm for the NFL, for the professional level. Um, And so it seemed as though those ties may have dissipated, not completely been severed, but weren't as strong as they possibly once were, even though you had guys like Trent Williams, uh, some of these other individuals, Lane Johnson, who has consistently made some kind of a connection 
to the university. And then you've got the more recent graduates showing up. I say graduates, those who have either graduated or opted to enter the NFL draft early, like a CD lamb. Uh, there's just a lot of talent that was present on campus. You saw a little bit of flash of the money with the cars that were being parked in the end zone and were being shared left and right on social media. And so we know that it was a, a big recruiting weekend. It was an opportunity to make this impression upon kids. But at the end of the day, the one measuring stick that everybody will remember, regardless of who showed up and what type of money was flashed is the number of commitments because it's all about the future. And we can look at what has been termed the stars and the cars, but we're waiting for the commitments to come out of this. And it's always been something that Oklahoma has had success in. I think there's only one, one commitment out there right now, Matt, that's unaccounted for. Yeah, I think you're right. There's only one that's unaccounted for, but I think there are more to come. You know, we talked about Luke Hayes, the tight end, 6'3", 220 from Bixby, Oklahoma. He actually picked up a crystal ball prediction for Oklahoma before the champion barbecue started. And then he picked up another one post champion barbecue. In fact, he got it today. We're recording this on the 21st of June, Malachi Nelson, a kid that you talked about rich um, again, 2023 kid, but uh, the five-star quarterback for 2023 um, he's picked up a crystal ball prediction earlier in the month. And then he just kind of just raved. Uh, he's got 10 mm -hmm. crystal ball predictions now. Uh, and all 10 of them are for Oklahoma and we talked about his his charisma and how charismatic he can be and, and helping Oklahoma recruit. You know, since May, he's just really just kind of gained a lot of steam and a lot of momentum towards the University of Oklahoma. And then he went on and raved about Champion Barbecue uh, afterwards. And so you, you, right now, it, it seems like it's it's more of an impact towards 2023 than it is 2022. But what you have mm -hmm. to keep in consideration with that is 2023 kids, they still have two more years of high school football ahead of them. These 2022 kids, they're going into their senior year and they're really kind of mums the word because they're, they're taking all of their, their visits. They're, they're talking to all of their coaches. They're, they're talking to their family and then they're going to make a decision based on all the most pertinent information. And so it, and, in that standpoint, it does make more sense that you're hearing more right now from 2023 commitments or 2023 prospects than you are 2022 prospects. But I think in time, uh, maybe as we head into, as the calendar turns to July, these kids start focusing on their fall season. A lot of their, their summer workouts kind of have a break right in the first week of July. And then they, they do their, a few more workouts before they start their camps in August. And so I think when we're looking at these 2022 kids, we'll start seeing some of those things develop um, as, as we turn the calendar into July and clearly on into August. But some of these kids, you know this, Rich, some of these kids, we're not going to know for sure until December when that early signing period opens up. Uh, two kids, though, that we've talked about in the past that, um, that we need to, like, you know, when we're talking about good news and, and people giving rave views and eyeball emojis and so forth, why this, why the champion barbecue was going on, Gentry Williams is out in Southern California visiting USC and has since picked up uh, multiple crystal ball predictions that, that he's going to go play for the Trojans. And one of those is Steve Wiltfong, who is the director of football recruiting for 24-7 Sports. Apparently, Ginger Williams had a really, really good visit out in Southern California. And so, you know, three days after we just recorded the podcast and I said Oklahoma was in good standings with Ginger Williams, number one, I, I, apparently USC is in better standing now 
But number two, I don't think his recruitment is is far from over. We're talking about the number one player in the state you, of – You don't think it's far from over, or you do think it's oh, far from yes, over? Yes, sorry. I do think it's far from over. Thanks for correcting me there. I mean, when you, when you look at the crystal ball predictions that are in, you still, you still have it, – it's a 57.1% for Oklahoma to – 42.9% for USC, but the Trojans are surging when it comes to, to gaining him. And again, it's top player in the state of Oklahoma. The top player in the state of Oklahoma from 2021 went to Oklahoma State after going to Texas A&M first. Now Gentry Williams may be going out of state to Southern California. So that's why this kid out of Bixby, Luke Halls, uh, Hayes, is such a big, big thing for Oklahoma to be in early on him. And then uh, just another thing out there, Luther Burden, it's, you know, he's still committed to this class. He's been committed since October of 2020, but I mean, the kids out there and enjoying his time and, and he's, he's really making his, uh, his visits known. And, and, and so I, I still think there's some unease with Luther Burden. I definitely think Oklahoma is not on that solid footing with Gentry Williams as they were before the champion barbecue. So I'm bringing all this up to say, you've got that massive wave of momentum that Oklahoma was riding through the weekend, but there's two key kids. Um, the number one player from the state of Missouri and the number one player from the state of Oklahoma, who Oklahoma clearly won at one point, had them firmly in the nest. And now they're kind of maybe kind of skirting, skirting towards the out, outside of that. Matt, I, <laughs> I don't have a lot of words that I haven't already shared. Um, and I, I, I don't think I'm just speaking for myself either. When I make these kinds of statements is that Oklahoma, and I'm not saying that they haven't, they just haven't had the impact that we thought they would on in-state recruits that are highly rated. Now, anyone who grows up in the area, and I know that extends below the Red River, south of the Red River, anyone who grows up in the area and has ties to Norman seems to have this keen fondness for the university and for the program and what they've consistently built. But then you get these five-star recruits just a few years ago, I'm blanking on the name, but just a few years ago, number one recruit in the state on the defensive side of the ball ends up going to Michigan. Next thing you know, again, number one recruit in the state ends up going to Texas A&M. Now you've got a number one recruit in the state in Gentry Williams. Again, we're looking at the defensive side of the ball here. And I, again, I feel like Oklahoma is putting a priority on these kids. They're just not making the inroads that we as fans may have hoped that they would in attracting in-state kids to stay in-state for their, their collegiate career. I get the allure of California. I get the allure of a coastal city and playing in somewhere like USC, I get it. It's different than Oklahoma. The climate's different. The culture's completely different. Get out there and experience something. Get away from home. Be you and, and who you want to be and create this brand for yourself. But I also think that this is my personal thoughts now. I also think that you have to look at the future and you have to consider as one of the top recruits in the country, mind you, who's looking at a shot to play in the NFL, which university fits you best, which one is going to be that springboard into the professional realm. And no one knows which university, which program, which coach is going to do that except the player and, and kind of a gut instinct that they have. So I'm not wishing poorly for Gentry Williams. I never would. 
This is the high school kid that, that we're talking about here. And I wish nothing but the best for him. Do I hope that he lands to the University of Oklahoma? Absolutely. Is it a requirement? No, I think the kid will excel regardless of where he goes. And he's got to got to do what's best for him. I would just be sad if it doesn't, <laughs> if it's not Oklahoma. Well, I think I think you hit it right when you're talking about the fit. And that's and that's where Oklahoma is. Oklahoma is at a, a point mm -hmm. when it's program where you don't just take players to take players. You take right. players because of the way they fit within your program. And some players Ethan Downs said, Hey, I'm a defensive end. I, he played offense and defense in, in high school. I'm a defensive end. This is where I fit within this program. And here's where I'm coming. But then you've got players like Ginger Williams. You got, you right. know, other guys that they, they want to explore those options. And it's not mm. that they're not making inroads as much as it is that they've got to fit within that program. One of the things we do have to consider with, with Ginger Williams though, at the same time is he's listed as an athlete prospect which means various things and coaches are coming in and they're, they're making different pitches. And another thing that we haven't even talked about, Matt, is what happens when a head coach walks in or a coordinator walks into your living room and says, I want you, I, I, I envision you playing at this position at our university. And you say, nah, that that's not for me. We've seen that happen in the most recent recruiting cycle. That's why Oklahoma lost the quote unquote number one overall recruit in the state of Oklahoma, where Oklahoma wanted a defensive back to play safe or safety, or was it linebacker? And he wanted to play in, in the secondary. No, they wanted him to be a linebacker. He wanted to be in the secondary, mm -hmm. but that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Ginger Williams, you, you got different, right. mm -hmm. different coaches saying different things and Oklahoma's like, here's how we want to use you. And so right. it's going to come down to what you said, where he fits best, but it doesn't necessarily mean Oklahoma doesn't have good inroads within the state. It just means Oklahoma is not just throwing out scholarships willy nilly. They, they know where they want you to play. Well, if you come here, this is where we're going to put you because this is where we can get you on the field quicker. And this is where you can have the biggest impact on this football program. Whereas other places, other universities may just say, okay, you want to play offense? Well, we can put you on offense. You, I mean, we saw that with Texas A&M. Now we're seeing it with Oklahoma State. Oklahoma is not going to do that. They don't need to do that. They're deep. They're talented. They'll take players, but as long as those players are willing to fit into the box that Oklahoma needs them to fit into. We're looking at Gentry Williams, six foot, 170, obviously has room to add to his frame. I know that he's played quarterback at Booker T. Washington, plays the defensive back, and everyone believes that he projects well into the secondary and more importantly at the professional level, projects once again as a defensive back. You have to think that he would step in to that kind of role. It's, it is just what you're saying though, Matt. There's so many positions in this secondary, nickelback, safety, cornerback. There's so many different options which coach is pitching you the most appealing option for you and where where's your passion to play do you like to play closer to the line of scrimmage because guess what that, that's not going to be the cornerback position for you unfortunately yes at times it will be but a majority of the time oklahoma clemson ohio state they're going to say we need you to be on an island and we need you to be a cover corner can you do that and if you're saying no, that's not what I want to do. Clearly, it's not a good fit. So I'm buying what you're selling wherever. And I guess I'm buying what I'm selling since I started that. Um, but where where will Gentry Williams fit in best? That's the question that everybody's trying to decide at this point in time. I, I think you you stated it eloquently. Yeah, and, and once Gentry Williams figures that out, then he'll we'll see a commitment come from him. Okay, true or false time coming up. Richard's asking the questions. 
And then we're just going to go over real fast um, 24-7 Sports, their projections of the first AP Top 25 poll. This is the Sooner Nation podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, welcome back to the Sooner Nation podcast, Matt. I'm putting you in the hot seat, and I'm going to give you just a fair warning that we're kind of going to be all over the place with this one. These are all football questions. I know that we're gearing up for the summer months. It's the dog days of summer, and we're looking for any and all information. So not all of these are original ideas. There are a couple of articles that are floating out there. If you would ever like to Google any of these and get some different takes and different opinions, you are more than welcome to. But Matt, these are going to be your opinions and your takes on these questions. We just talked about Champu Barbecue. We talked about the single commitment that may have come from that weekend during the weekend itself, as evidenced by the eyeballs that have been tweeted out by Lincoln Riley. When we look at Champu Barbecue, it has all the makings for greatness. We mentioned the cars. We mentioned the former stars that were on campus. We mentioned the influence that was there. But the overall thing that I'm going to go back to this is the true measure of success will be the number of commitments that come from players who were on campus of the 43 plus who were on campus for this weekend. The true measure of success will be the number of those that sign and don the crimson and cream uniform. So with Champu barbecue firmly in the rearview mirror with one commitment in the bag, true or false, the weekend was underwhelming. Oh, and that's a hundred percent false because like, like I said, I mean, you've had, you've made a big impact on, on really some of the, the top recruits for 2023. We mentioned Malachi Nelson uh, being one of those in, in the quarterback position, you got the number one tight end, the number one receiver who just kind of walked away in awe of their experience in Norman. These 2022 recruits, it, I mean, the jury's out on them. They're, they're, they've got a long way to go before they make their decisions. And, and the, the question is, did Oklahoma sway them? You're not going to know the true measure of this weekend until December. But as by all accounts, it was a fantastic weekend, both for the alumni who came back. You mentioned Sam Bradford, Kyler Murray was there, Jalen Hurts was there. There were so many, Adrian Peterson was there. Uh, obviously, DeMarco Murray being on staff, he was there. Um, there there's just so many positives that that came out of this weekend that I don't think at this point you can label it underwhelming or overwhelming. I think it is what it is. And I, I, I didn't hear any recruit walk away from this weekend going, yeah, it was all right. I mean, everybody just, just raved from the 2022 to the 2023. You're just going to have to wait and see what the commitments are from it. Like I said, we're, we're going to shift gears left and right for you keep you on your toes Matt. one of the things we know about spencer rattler is he's an electric quarterback oklahoma obviously looking to continue the strings of dominance at the position baker mayfield kyler murray jalen hurts spencer rattler then what do we have next well we 
we're, we're pretty sure Caleb Williams is going to have a pretty successful career. And then everybody's looking at Malachi Nelson. When, when we look at Spencer Rattler, one of the comparisons that I've seen drawn about him is that he has Mahomes-like qualities. What do I mean by that? He's got this natural feel to make a big play, but he can also extend the play and throw with, with deadly accuracy on the run. There's not a lot of individuals who are capable of some of the 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 passes that we see from a guy like Spencer Rattler at his age. Regardless, I think Spencer Rattler at, in any situation is a a dream quarterback for any university. Knowing that fact, it's still North Carolina's Sam Howell who's the best quarterback heading into 2021. No, that's false. I mean, I'm sorry. I I, got to go false again. I I feel like there's a theme here with me answering your questions with false, but uh, like Sam Howell's going to, Sam Howell's going to get a lot of publicity. He's going to, he's obviously going to be an NFL draft pick after next season. And Spencer Rattler is going to have that same opportunity, but, but a lot of people, not just me, a lot of people are labeling Spencer Rattler as the top returning quarterback in the nation. And there's a reason for that. You, you mentioned all of his upside. You mentioned the strong arm, you mentioned the, 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 the head, he has on his shoulders and the ability to extend plays and and we really just saw that we saw the the mature maturation of him coming from the benching at texas to <laughs> to really winning the the uh the cotton bowl and so sam howe I mean, is, is a, a fantastic quarterback who plays on a team that's that is inferior to what oklahoma has with spencer rattler and then if you just compare the the physical intangibles think about this sam howe is a, a senior who's going to have a chance to be in the nfl next season guess what spencer rattler is a sophomore a redshirt sophomore who's going to have the chance to get into the nfl as a top five draft pick next season so that tells you the story you need to know right there. If, if Sam Howell was the better quarterback, then he wouldn't have stuck, had to stick around where Sam Bradford can come out after his second season. I know that shows a little bit of bias on my answer. Sam, Sam Bradford? Did I say Sam Bradford? He's, you sure did. Sorry, Spencer Rattler, because they hold the same thing, you know, and then we we're talking about Sam Bradford earlier, but you know what I mean? Spencer Rattler, um, as, after a redshirt sophomore season, just his second season as a starter, is going to have a big decision to make. Sam Howell had to make the decision to come back to North Carolina. That tells you the two worlds that these, these quarterbacks live in. When we look at Sam Howell, Matt, he just completed his sophomore season. He will be a junior. We look at the Yikes, seven interceptions. My bad. My bad. I, I, no, no, no. You're, no I, you're fine. I totally misspoke there. I, I swore he was a senior. You're fine. And I don't know that he he redshirted. I don't know that he didn't. I would have to go and dig that up. What I'm looking at, though, and that's just a quick Google search. So I'm going to do that while I'm talking. What we're looking at from Sam Howmat, 38 touchdowns in his first year as a starter to seven interceptions. We fast forward to his second year as a starter, full-time starter, 30 touchdowns to once again, seven interceptions. The completion rate goes up to 68 0.1%. I don't think there's a guy who's strung together consecutive seasons quite like Sam Howell has at the University of North Carolina. And I, I think that he's worthy of being in the conversation here. When we talk about the best returning quarterbacks for, for different reasons than Spencer Rattler. And again, Matt, I'm a huge proponent of consistency. This has been my theme for how long now Sam Howell has demonstrated that to me. Spencer Rattler just hasn't, hasn't been given that opportunity. We'll see how well Sam, uh, Spencer Rattler fares in his second season, but what we're going to see here 
is Sam Howe in a third season who could potentially once again best his numbers? Yeah, okay. So first of all, I, I misspoke there, but Sam Howell is going into his junior season. Uh, I thought he was going into his senior season, but I don't feel as bad uh, thinking that he had, was only going into his sophomore season. I, I, mis, I misspoke, but not as bad as I thought I did. But you're, you're right, consistency. And, and, and Spencer Rattler hasn't had that opportunity yet because he's only been one season as a starter. Right. But again, when you, when, you look at, when you look at the pedigree there, you look at the, the, the physical intangibles, there's a reason why they're talking about Spencer Rattler the way they are as one of the top returning quarterbacks in the nation. I'm not, I'm not belittling Sam Howell. I'm not saying that he's not a good quarterback. I'm just saying you, you give me the pick between the two, all bias aside, <clears throat> I'm taking Spencer Rattler. And, and that's fair. I, I'm not disagreeing with your pick there. There's a lot of intangibles, and, and I know that we could talk for days, about this, we can continue to mention some of the different ways that that Rattler has flashed. But when you talk about a guy like Sam Howell, I think you also have to look at the offenses that they're competing against in the ACC and Clemson really being the headliner there with the ability to score at will. UNC played a very good season last year. I think they're a team that's on the up and up. I don't know if it's Mac Brown being there, but they're a team that's currently on the up and up. They continuously put players on the field who are playmakers, regardless of their, their star rating. And so don't be surprised by UNC, who I think could very well knock on the door of the college football playoff. I think they're going to take over the ACC this year. I think Clemson's going to have a little bit of growing pains and they're, they're going to be number two for me. Wow, that, that's a bold prediction right there. But do keep in mind, you're talking about a North Carolina team that that was missing key figures in their bowl game, and they pushed Texas A&M to the brink, uh, unlike another team from the SEC that plays in Gainesville, Florida, that just used the key players as an excuse for getting curb stomped. Um, but uh, that, that's a pretty bold prediction that uh, UNC is going to supplant uh, Clemson. So we'll just have to see how that plays out. It may be just for a year. But the likelihood is there, and it comes down to starting quarterbacks without a guy like Trevor Lawrence there. Matt, I'm going to get into question number three for you because you've kind of given me a segue. When we begin to look at the college football landscape, I know there's been a lot of conversation that centers around the college football playoff. In fact, just several days ago, you and I talked about the potential to expand. All of a sudden, this seems like a real conversation that has grown legs. And on June 22nd, the manager's board for the college football playoff will meet to discuss a legitimate 12-team playoff. I thought it needed to be 16, but I will gladly, gladly accept the proposal that's on the table. So true or false, this board, when they meet on June 22nd, will vote to move forward with the expansion of the college football playoff. Hey, I finally get to say true to one of your questions. <laughs> and here's what it comes down to. It comes down to money. The NCAA needs money. You coming off of COVID, you don't, don't forget every championship was canceled last year. You, you lost, you obviously every spring championship, I guess I should say, you, you lost the NCAA tournament. You lost the baseball tournament. You lost the softball tournament. You lost a lot of revenue. Plus you're coming off of a shortened football season in 2020. Um, so yeah, you, you lost a lot of money. How do you recoup that money? Well, you make it an expanded playoff and you sell a big fat television contract. 
And that's what's going to move this thing forward is that they're looking at the dollar signs and how much they can ultimately make with this move. And it's not just that. I think they're actually giving players and teams as a whole some sort of 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 reason to play into the postseason, some reason to not opt out of their bowl games, some reason to compete for the conference championships. And, and what I've seen, what I've heard about the expanded format is that it would automatically include the top, the six conference champions who are the, the highest ranked. You're saying five, like I said, I, I've read six there. So well, we'll it's, leave that it's the five, it's the five um, power, power five. Yeah, and then- but I'm just... I'm reading and then six, they throw one, six well, I'm total. Saying, the, the five power, the power five are automatic bids. And then that's of the, of the FC, i not the non, what are they calling? There's the power five. And then there's the other guys. Okay. The highest rank of the other guys gets in automatically. And then you just kind of go it's in power five and group of five. Yeah. Group of five things. I couldn't think of that, uh, but the other guy sounds pretty good as well. Right. <laughs> Matt, um, I, I would be in favor of the six. And if that's the way that it works out, I'm looking at a team like Cincinnati right now, just based upon preseason rankings, based upon some of the ideologies that people who have more expertise than myself, um, I don't, I'm not going to put you in that category because I think you're pretty knowledgeable about this subject. But for me, guys who are more knowledgeable than me are putting Cincinnati up there in the top 10 right now. And they look like a, a team, if this was a 12, a 12 team format could easily find themselves in the postseason, could easily find themselves competing for a national championship and could easily find themselves silencing a lot of doubters that said that they had no, no business being on the field with a team like an Oklahoma or an Ohio state or a Clemson slash North Carolina <laughs> amongst others from these power five conferences that will eventually be the conference champion. Of course, we're looking at the other ones, which would be at large bids and that first round being the eight teams and the top four seeds getting a buy in that I am a fan of it. I hope that they move forward. I'm, I'm going to vote true on this one as well. And it's, it's a lot of wishful thinking, but I do know that they may not make a decision until September. No, they're definitely not going to make a decision this week other than the decision to move forward. But see, here's where – and you bring up a great point with Cincinnati. The other thing that this is going to do is it's going to move us closer towards more conference realignment talks because if you're a program like Cincinnati, who, by the way, is a very, very good football team, we're going to talk about the top 25 projections here in just a minute. But um, if you're a program like Cincinnati and all of a sudden you've got an expanded playoff and you've got a Power 5 conference that's – you get an automatic bid into this suddenly you're, you're more willing to talk to the big 12. You're more willing to talk to uh, the mm-hmm. ACC. You're more willing to talk to the big 10 and the big 12 ACC and big 10 are more willing to listen to you. And it's going to be the same thing for Houston. And so if this continues to move forward, there's no way zero chance that the big 12 is going to stay at 10. And here's the reason why is because these top five power conferences, they're, they're going to get their guy in, but where's the big 12 going to be when you're looking at the, the automatic qualifier being the the conference champion and that conference champion is from a conference that has 10 teams or a conference that has 16 teams, the conference champion from the, the, the 16 team conference is always going to get the better seed in that. And so the big 12 is going to immediately look to expand uh, once this thing moves forward. 
Yeah, and the only thing we really need to know to draw that conclusion was when the Big 12 adopted the phrase one true champion, Baylor TCU ended up splitting the title. We didn't have one true yeah, champion was, as, as there was no conference championship That was a game. total disaster. You're right. And the Big 12 was left out of, guess what, the national title picture because, and, and I still fully believe this because of an advertisement. Matt, can go ahead. Say all, I was going to say all they had to do, all, all the Big 12 had to do was say Baylor's our champion or TCU's right. our champion. That's right. all they had to do. And one of those two teams would have been in, but the Big 12 wouldn't do it. And nope. they had co-champions in the year that there was one true champion. That's right. That's right. When we look at the, the talent that's on the field for this upcoming season, Matt, and we look at some of the transfers that have taken place specifically at running back and now at the receiver position. It seems as though these skill positions that were once question marks have become a full stable of individuals who can step onto the field and contribute at any point in time. I know that I've talked a lot about Mikey Henderson, and so I'm going to do it once again here with you. When we look at a guy like Mikey Henderson, I felt as though as an H-back, he could easily consume carries at the running back position, or he could line up as a slot receiver and be, be an incredible mismatch against some of these defenders. Now that those two positions seem to be deeper than what they were as we were heading into the spring and said coming out of the spring, we know about the transfers. We know that these are individuals, again, who are capable of producing at a high level. True or false, Henderson is, is the most noted name, I want to say. Henderson is the most noted name that could potentially be a casualty to the transfer portal at the end of the 2021 season. That's a good question. I don't think he's going to be a casualty of the transfer portal. I, I think they're they're going to probably move him back to the H-back position. And the addition of Trey Bradford to this roster is going to be the reason why. We, you and I have mm -hmm. talked about this. Mikey Henderson was moved to the running back room, not for the 2021 college football season, but because they were so uh, shallow at, at depth at the running back position after the 2021 college football season. So you put Mikey Henderson, who is an uber-talented running, running back, athlete, receiver, football player, you put him in, in that running back room just because you need bodies in there. But now you don't need those bodies anymore because you've got Trey Bradford, because you're going to pick up two or three commitments in this 2022 recruiting class. And so now the, the most common sense thing for Mikey Henderson is to emerge back in that H back room where you said he could line up in the backfield. He can line up in the slot. He can line up out wide and they can really take full advantage of what, of what, and I think they were going to do that with him anyway, as a running back, but now it just goes back to what he knows and that H back position. This is all speculation. It's, it's not something that, that anybody has told me that's official with the university, but it just makes sense. Now that you've got Trey Bradford, and, and again, something you and I have talked about, Trey Bradford is not a guy that's going to come in and, and pay immediate dividends in 2021 outside of potentially putting him on special teams. Trey Bradford's a kid that's going to come in and pay big dividends in 2022. And because that's what you had Mikey Henderson set aside for, now you can slide back, slide him back to where you had him in, in 2020, where he had a great season, a breakout season in that position. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. But I know, again, we're, we're looking for playing time. We're looking for snaps to give to Mikey Henderson. And when you've got players like Austin Stogner in one of those roles, and then you've got Jeremiah Hall as the potential backup, 
there's just not a lot of room. It's going to take some competition. It's going to take a little bit of patience. I do agree with you. I believe Mikey Henderson moves back to the H back position. I just don't know if he cracks that depth chart inside of the top two. I 100% think he would. And and don't forget, you're using Mikey Henderson for a different a different scheme that you're right, right. Um, you, you said Austin Stogner. So Austin Stogner's never going to run the football. And if he does, he's only going to get two or three yards because <laughs> he just he's not a natural at it where Mikey Henderson mm-hmm. is. And again, it goes back to what do you want from the defense? Where do you want to exploit? Well, if you've got slow linebackers who have to pick up that guy coming out of the backfield, well, now Mikey Henderson is going to make that guy even slower because you can do a play action pass to Mikey Henderson and it's going to freeze that slow linebacker for just another second where it'll never work with Austin Stogner. So Mm -hmm. I, I don't think I can jump on board with you on this. I think Mikey Henderson does play. And I think he plays a substantial amount of time. um, If they move him back to the H back position. Now, if they keep him in running back room, then it's a whole different story. The one thing I'm going to add to this, Matt, kind of in closing for me is that Mikey Henderson could also redshirt this season. He's not an individual who, I mean, he played in nine games last season. And so when we look at the ability to redshirt, he was a true freshman last year, stepped onto the field and created because of all of the attention being put in the opposite side of the field. Mikey Henderson was able to slip out of the backfield on some of those situations that you're talking about and make people look foolish at times for lack of a better way of putting that. And I know that Mikey Henderson's not a guy who rumbled down the field for 80 yards. His longest reception was 29, 29 yards last year. But when you look at his average, the average of 18.7, and that's not a bad average, especially for a guy that's coming out of the backfield instead of starting on the line of scrimmage. When I look at Mikey Henderson, I see a lot of potential there. I see a guy who could potentially be a star, but I also see the the opportunity to redshirt him if he isn't going to be used in more than four games. Matt, I'm going to go with my last question here, number five for you, and that's looking at Oklahoma and their home field advantage. Oklahoma will take the field away from home to start the season on September 4th against Tulane, a nationally televised game on ABC. What we know about Oklahoma over the years is that they have been pretty dominant when playing in Gaylord Memorial Stadium, when playing in Norman, when playing in front of a home crowd. In fact, since 2012, they're the best in the Big 12 at uh, 85.2% in terms of win percentage. True or false, the next toughest place to play in the Big 12, Manhattan, Kansas. Wow. Um, I think true. I mean, you've got a coach there who's just continued the uh, just that tough, hard nosed tenacity uh, mindset that Bill Snyder had. You've got a smaller stadium. I think it's only 55,000, but it feels like they're right on top of you. They're they're loud. They know how to participate in the game. you know, you, you look at you look at the other top dogs in the Big 12 and Texas, they don't sell out. Oklahoma State, they don't sell out. And so I would say, I would say across the board, if you if you if you want a big sample size, yeah, that's true. 
the runner up to this, I think, would be in Ames, Iowa, but that's more recently with this with this team that that's that's come on. But we we saw, I mean, Oklahoma State had a chance uh, 2011 to make it into the BCS, and and they didn't because they lost in Ames, Iowa. Oklahoma last year lost in Ames, Iowa. So I think you could make a strong case for Iowa State, but based off of more longevity you're you're a guy who says you like consistency then i think you do have to go with kansas state and making that a a really difficult place to play i will tell you percentage wise that's not an accurate statement manhattan but i can tell you as a sooner fan manhattan's the one place that makes me nervous time and time again anytime oklahoma's on the road playing the kansas kansas state wildcats there's chaos I don't know how else to put that, but there's these little moments of chaos where the unexpected happens and Oklahoma finds themselves on the receiving end of an unfavorable situation, which then results in a loss. And Kansas State has built off of that momentum so much so, Matt, that we know exactly what happened last year. Kansas State comes in to Norman. They, they, what do they have? Is that a three game win streak that they have two. against Oklahoma? I think it's, two. it's two there and yeah. they're going for three this year and and there's there's no way as an oklahoma fan you're comfortable with that game you know there's no way you're just Mm -hmm. 100 confident going into manhattan and and manhattan kansas has become what texas tech what lubbock texas was in the early 2000s 2005 through 2010 that was a just crazy insane place to go you you had a team that didn't have the upper talent of the elites in the big 12 but they had enough talent with the craziness of that home field to make things happen and make you very uncomfortable. And, uh, and Kansas state has become exactly that recently. And, and we'll just have to see, I mean, they, they've become, again, I, I would keep an eye on Ames uh, just because, you know, this, that's not going to be an easy win for anybody going in there this year. And, and I'm really glad Oklahoma gets the Cyclones in Norman, but again, we've also seen them fall to the Cyclones in Norman as well. Hey, good job on the on the uh, true or false questions, Rich. Uh, one more thing to talk about: the twenty four seven sports has their projections for the top twenty five, and we're going to get into that right now. All right, Rich. Well, you mentioned this earlier: teams that are that are ranked, teams that are not ranked. Now, this is not the rankings. This is not the official top twenty five rankings from the AP. This is how. 24-7 sports is going to project the AP top 25. And so I'm just going to go down there and you say, hey, stop when you talk, when you want to, want to talk about somebody, okay? Now, we all know Texas is always going to get that love. But Texas, whether they're going to go 5-7, and 7-5, seven, seven and five, or 13-0, and 0, they're going to be ranked in the initial AP top 25 poll. So you've got beginning at number 25, You've got the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns, which is a little bit of a head scratcher for me, but hey, uh, they, they've earned that spot. TCU at number 24, the Big 12 getting some love from the Horn Frogs. And you look at what they did last season. I think if they were able to have that bowl game against Arkansas, 100%, they deserve this spot. Without having that bowl game, you just got to kind of question it. Uh, and I think it also amps up the expectations for Gary Patterson. Washington Huskies at number 23, Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin and the, Reb- and the Rebels at number 22. And here you go. Oklahoma State at 21, followed by Texas at 20. I've got my same problem with this that I've always had is I feel like these should be inverted. I feel like Oklahoma State is the better of the two programs 
coming into the season, I feel like Texas has way more question marks than Oklahoma State does. I, I if, if you'd tell me, say, of these three Big 12 teams ranked from 20 to 25, or really 20 to 24, uh, with CCU being 24, who doesn't belong in there? They're, they're going to say I'm a hater. They're going to say it's all about the crimson and cream. But, Rich, to me, between TCU, Oklahoma State, and Texas, Texas is the one that doesn't belong. Well, and Texas has had so much turnover here, Matt. We can look at the quarterback position. We know what they have at the running back position and Bijan Robinson, an incredible talent. But everyone's expectation, I think, is because of the hire. When you bring mm -hmm. in a guy like Steve Sarkeesian, and we know what kind of an offensive mind that he brings to the table, but it's getting the players to buy into that. And in a first year, it's not something that's impossible to do, but it is a little bit difficult to have them completely erase some of the habits that they may have formed over time and re reestablish these, what I like to call mental highways so that they become habit. It takes time to deconstruct and construct those. And to believe that it happens in one off season is, is a tall ask. Is Texas a talented team on the roster? Yes. Absolutely. They have been. They always will be because of the name that's across the front of those jerseys. But when it comes to getting the most out of those players, these Texas head coaches simply haven't been able to do it. I don't know if it's a correlated reason, but I do know that it's something that has been sustained and it's something that is, is very traceable at this point in time. And it dates back to the 2009 season when Texas started their downhill slide. Texas to me, Matt, is exactly what you said. They're a brand. There's something that ESPN can promote and back. And the other outlets simply take notes off of what ESPN has produced, which lofts them into the conversation of the, in this case, the top 20, but more often than not, the top 25, whether they belong there or they don't. So I do take a little bit of an issue with that. I want to see them prove it. And that hasn't been proven to me yet. Well, and it also brings more pressure on Steve Sarkeesian in his first season. And, and here's the here's going to be the big problem that Texas is going to have in 2021. It's the same problem that Oklahoma State had in 2020, and that is offensive line play. You, you've got a lot of question marks along the offensive line. You've got a brand-new head coach, offensive coordinator. You're breaking in a brand-new quarterback. Your running back is your star at this point going into the season. But listen, you, you look at Chuba Hubbard. Look at Oklahoma State's running game. You got to start running back, but you don't have an offensive line to open up holes. Suddenly, that star, that star running back loses some luster, and and that's clearly what we saw in Stillwater last year. And I think there's the danger of seeing that again in Austin, Texas. Just same problem, just a different team. When when you look at this, um, Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma, the Big Twelve with. Three of the five, 20 through 25. When you get down to number 19, you've got the Indiana Hoosiers, 18 Penn State, uh, 17 is Iowa State. So you're getting some Big Ten love. Miami Hurt, go ahead. Man, I kind of thought Indiana would be a little bit higher. I said Iowa State. I meant the Iowa Hawkeyes, not Iowa State. Sorry, Indiana. In, yeah, Indiana being a little bit higher due to some of the noise that they caused last right. season. I know that the Big Ten didn't play any non-conference scheduled games they canceled all of those so there wasn't really a fair comparison but what they were doing in conference definitely had people tuning into their games to see exactly what was going on if they can continue that momentum i see no way that they stay at 19 i could easily see them shifting up into the, the top 15. 
Yeah, and, and they've got 20 starters back from that team from last year. So th- I do agree they're going to be uh, they're going to be powerful in the Big Ten. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, just kind of how it all plays out now that they're able to, to branch out of their conference. I said Iowa State. It's the Iowa Hawkeyes at number 17. 16 is the Miami Hurricanes. 15 is the Wisconsin Badgers, 14 USC. Uh, and I think USC is probably a little bit overrated right there. The Florida Gators at number 13. Interesting to see what they're going to do with their quarterback position. Oregon, number 12. They always seem to be overrated. LSU, they, Rich, this is a surprise to me. They're expecting a big turnaround from last year to this year with LSU because they've got the Tigers. <laughs> with, with 19 returning starters. Yeah, they've got the Tigers knocking on the door of the top 10 at number 11. Mm. I would say, you know, at this point, I would I would pick out those next 10. I would pick LSU as the team that probably doesn't belong where they are at, at number 11. Yeah, and it's a, it's a very similar situation to some of these other programs that are fluctuating in their dominance of, I, I shouldn't say their dominance, but in their competitiveness within the conference. I feel as though there's been some attrition at LSU. Obviously, at the running back position, Oklahoma's benefiting because of LSU. But you do have to wonder when you had such such a bumpy road throughout the 2020 campaign heading into 2021 with 19 returning starters. I get that that gives you experience, but it also brings back players who didn't prove that they were able to make it make it happen when it actually counted on the field. They had the surprise when I get it. It was kind of that highlight moment for LSU and they'll take it and they're going to try to use that as their springboard. Ed Orgeron, Matt, I think is a stellar coach. And if he believes in this team, maybe there's, there is some truth to this. The eye test will tell us as we begin the season, whether they actually belong, whether that's number 10, whether it's number 11 or whether it's number 17, I believe LSU could fall anywhere inside of the top 20 to number 10, 10 to 20, essentially. And so if Ed Orgeron is believing in this team, maybe there's something to it because he's an insider with insider knowledge. We'll give it to him for now. But when the eye test comes out, we'll see. I mean, how can you not love Ed Orgeron, uh, especially his interviews? Uh, yeah, whatever. Um, okay, so the Big 12 had five of, from 20 to 25. You got three players, uh, three teams in there. And then you don't get another team ranked until you get to number 10, and that's Iowa State. And, Rich, I'm going to take exception here because, it, it, look, if LSU coming off the, the season they had last year – if they can get fringe top 10, I think Iowa State coming off the season that they had last year, and you look at who they've got coming back offensively, they deserve to be fringe top five. Am I wrong on that? No, I absolutely agree. I think Iowa State was worthy of a six or a seven next to their name instead of a number 10. You look at the talent that they have specifically on the offensive side of the ball that's coming back. I, I do believe there's at least one Heisman potential contender on there. And Iowa State's looking like a team that could either run the table or would suffer just a single loss in conference play. I don't expect them to drop a game here in the in the non-conference portion of the schedule. So they're, for me, at this point in time, they're a lock for the Big 12 conference title game. That says a lot about who they are. It says a lot about their experience. It says a lot about the leadership and, and the coaching staff of this program. But also it says that they deserve to be higher than number 10 because they're doing this day in and day out. And they're proving that they're worthy of being above some of these, some of these other teams that, that may be above them right now. Yeah, I agree with everything that you just said. Uh, Notre Dame, number nine. 
North Carolina, your Tar Heels right there, Rich, at, at number eight. Cincinnati, you mentioned them as well. They're top, uh, they're top 10 at number seven. Texas A&M, no way they belong at number six, but that's where they're projected. And then you get into the top five, and you got Ohio State at number five. I should have made you try to guess these, but I'm just going to give them to you. Ohio State at number five, Clemson at number four. Number three, you got the Georgia Bulldogs, and then the Sooners at number two with Alabama at number one. Um, if, if I had to take exception here in this top five, again, to me, it, it's, it's Georgia. I think you're just getting some SEC love there. Um, but not really the, well, the deserving of it. Georgia has pulled in top recruiting classes, and they're reaping the benefits of that in these guesstimates of where teams will fall when the AP poll officially comes out. I, I'm going to give it to Georgia for now. Where I'm going to take exception, Matt, is, is with Ohio State. They lose a guy like Trey Sermon out of the backfield, major contributor to the offense. They lose a guy like Justin Fields, an athletic mobile quarterback who can hurt you on multiple levels of the game. And all of a sudden they're saying, we're going to have a, a productive offense or we're going to be at least similar in productivity to what we had last year. The offense is going to take a step back. And the, we, what, we, what we know about these Big Ten teams is they're beginning to adopt and it's widespread is the spread offense. I get Ryan Day, I get the allure, I get the attraction, I get that he's the pick of the day, the flavor of the day when it comes to the Big Ten, but Ohio State, I, I don't know how they put up similar numbers to what they did offensively from last year without those two guys on the field. Yeah, I mean, again, these are just projections, and I, those are very solid points, Rich. And so we'll see when the actual AP Top 25 poll comes out in about six weeks. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll have yeah. this conversation again. It's, uh, it's, it's just weird to have a team in the top five who doesn't even know who their starting quarterback is. Okay, maybe they know, but it hasn't been announced. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, again, solid point that I, I can't argue with. So there we go. That's an abbreviated version of the Sooner Nation podcast. I still think we went well over half an hour. I'll have to see what the time frame is here. But uh, uh, we will be back in the next week or so to um, recover some more news. Hopefully, we can update you on recruiting with some good news there. You can find us every day on the interwebs, heartland-sports.com. Also, we're on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Hit us up and let us know what you're thinking. And uh, any thoughts or comments about what we said or what we will say, or if you got suggestions, we'd love to hear them. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Boomer Sooner.